All right, so I'm going to talk about the urgency of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you three questions. How can you make the most of your everyday? How can you share the gospel and who with? And how can you seek God more in everything you do? Um, So just hold these questions in your heart while I'm speaking to you this morning. The song I'm going to talk on wasn't one I particularly knew well when God told me you're going to talk on this. Um, But as I've meditated on the words um, and listened to him saying, I want you to talk on the urgency of the gospel. um, I've just been struck by a few things. It's fairly easy to meditate on because it's five lines long. So um, I was quite lucky in that. So I'm just going to read the words to you. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So first line, set a fire down in my soul. Is us asking God to do something for us. We can't expect to just sit there and have him do all the work, though. That I can't contain, that I can't control, tells us how this fire should stir us up, how it should affect our lives. Our lives with God should be something that's sort of obvious in all, our, all areas of our life. We shouldn't be able to not show that we're in love with Jesus. The last line essentially shows like two things. So it's saying more of you, showing we already have the Holy Spirit in us as a promise from God. So listening to 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit dwells in you? If you're a Christian, you you already have that Holy Spirit. We're just asking for more. Um, And then the I want bit... um, is there showing how you can get that fire showing and this is same verse as Gareth Scott so clearly this is what you know God wants to say today ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you so what is this fire well Acts talks about receiving power from the Holy Spirit uh, when the Holy Spirit comes if you are a Christian here then you should be filled with the Spirit Uh, and looking at this verse But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes I think when we read Acts about the day of Pentecost in the Bible, it sort of seems like something that happened a long time ago. We can get fixated on the gifts of the Spirit and sort of fail to grasp the real meaning behind what they're saying there. Before Jesus came, these disciples were hiding. Before he came, um, sorry, to tell them, um, I'm sending someone else to help you. They were hiding in a house, scared of persecution. They, after the Spirit came on them, they went out and they started sharing the gospel. And they were telling everyone they could find and they were sharing it with authority, with boldness. They had understood by the power of the Spirit, the urgency of the gospel message. Without a sense of urgency, evangelism loses its core motivation. If we don't have urgency, then there's no point putting ourselves through ridicule that we will almost certainly face when we share the name of Jesus. When I started secondary school, I was verbally and once physically abused for being a Bible basher. Um, One of my main arguments when it came to talking to people about the gospel was why do you think I would put up with that if I didn't think he's alive, living, and you need to hear it now? Apart from the odd jibe now and again after the first year, 
um, sort of people just got used to the fact she's quite loud she's going to keep talking about this God stuff like um, so it might not have been very present for that first year and I did get chucked out of a lot of science lessons because <laughs> I just didn't stop saying I'm not sure about this sort of big bang stuff um, but it was really worth it to this day I can't testify that any of my school friends um, are born again Christians but I can say they made steps of faith some sort of made commitments but maybe they're not they're still not quite there with the way that they are um, but it's made it much easier I still have discussions now when my friends say they're getting married I say why are you doing it in a church then because I don't understand that, you know, you're not a Christian, you don't love God. And it's, it still leads to really good conversations because it's always been part of sort of who I am. In hindsight, it also certainly prepared me to be brave in future situations, to stick my head above the parapet, to like not be afraid to be different. Conviction is what makes you walk across the office. It's what makes you speak to that person having a hard time. What makes you invite people you don't know for dinner. What makes you offer to pray for people that you see that are in need. Um, we have to remember we're not alone in this. God has given us a helper. He has given someone to push us forward in these things. To help us be brave even when we don't feel like it. So John talks again about this helper God has given us. So I will ask the Father and he shall give you another comforter and he may abide in you forever. He gave us the Holy Spirit. This verse is often actually used like in the wrong kind of context in modern day because comforter has a very different connotation nowadays to what it meant before. We think comforter as someone giving us a big cuddle or like stuffing our faces with takeout when we've had a bad day. Um, or if you're Paul Hollop, then you'll think of it as a dummy for pacifying your children. Um, but over the past five years, um, like as I've personally struggled with relentless pain in my foot, I far too often thought of the Holy Spirit as that sort of comforter thought of him in that way and I've prayed and wanting him to wrap his arms around me and like ask for verses to help me feel happy and content but the word comforter actually derives from a latin word fortis and when this is translated for us into English it means strong brave powerful robust steadfast courageous um, we we all know when things go wrong, we need, it's a good friend who picks us up, encourages us to carry on, doesn't let us just wallow in sadness and disappointment. They kick us up the bum and they tell us to get on with it. Um, the Holy Spirit is like that good friend. Um, my view on how I can like rely on this helper and the Holy Spirit has changed like fairly recently actually. I went to a conference, um, Dave Fellingham shared this picture I'm about to tell you about. And um, it, yeah, has just changed, changed how I think about him. So he shared about the Bayer Tapestry. I don't know if any of you know this, this is a very old and very long piece of artwork which depicts the story of King William and the Norman Conquest in England in 1066. Beneath one scene, not this scene I have a picture of because I wasn't looking at the whole thing, um, it says, William comforteth his soldiers. 
So, and the picture that goes with this verse is a picture of William with his sword drawn, poking his soldiers in the bum, <laughs> like prodding them on. Um, and I simply like couldn't forget this as a great illustration of the task of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should be prodding us, inciting us, urging us on. Um, so this now stirs me up instead of, you know, wallowing in pain. Um, I use it to share the gospel with other people. This is not because like I particularly have an evangelistic gift, but it's just because we're all called to evangelise. Um, when we have this fire in us, um, we should be reminded of the urgency of the gospel. It doesn't magically like take away fears, melt away worries, um, but it reminds us of the reason why it's so important to share um, with others. And it makes it easier when you've got that feeling of urgency for that to overtake all the other feelings and to allow you to boldly step out. So it reminds me of a slightly gross story that I have, um, which is most of my stories, really, because I'm a nurse. But anyway, (laughs) before I was actually a nurse, I worked in a lockdown dementia unit. Uh, I wasn't phased by much because pretty much everything went on there every day. Um, I never had a problem with any bodily fluids other than phlegm. Phlegm I was not a fan of, (laughs) which is weird because I'd been a dental nurse for a long time for my dad. But anyway, uh, that was my sticking point. So one day I was helping get a resident dressed, getting her ready to start the day. And I realised actually she was choking on a massive lump of phlegm (laughs) that she had in her mouth and she was unable to get it out herself. Um, And at that moment, I was able to overcome that fear of, I really hate this. Um fish it out of her mouth and chuck it in the bin. Now I still hate phlegm. I still hate it. But I hate seeing people suffer, especially when they can't do anything about it, more than I hate phlegm. So it might seem like an odd story to share, but I don't think it's that dissimilar to our, how our approach to the gospel should be. Um, if we can get over the discomfort and the awkwardness in order to help non-believers out of dire situation that they're in Um, some people find it easier every time they share the gospel some people it will never be easy it will be a battle every time they share and that's just the way it is sometimes recently I heard TJ Colesso um, say that the Christian faith is like being in a burning building half the people know the building's on fire but they don't know where the exit is the other half know where the exit is but they've no idea that the building is on fire. We as Christians, we are uniquely armed with knowledge of both these things. Um, We can choose to leave the building on our own, or we can choose to go and tell one side it's on fire and tell one side where the exit is and leave with a group of people. One Timothy shares an answer to this conundrum. So be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So how, how will they know if we don't tell them? Too often we think of worship as just singing, especially on a Sunday morning. Our relationship with the Father should not just stir us up to want to know him more, but to act on it. If we truly understand the incredible love and sacrifice that he's shown to us, 
it's difficult to contain that hunger to want to share that with others. We offer our worship to the Lord every time we do something for someone else. In doing this, we also fulfill the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. So we are not on to a bad thing by being friendly to others. As you can see there, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And second greatest commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. As a church family, we, we do this well. We, we, we love people. We give lots away. We give lots of money. We do lots of come and see, like, come and see what we're doing at church and we invite our friends to events that we're putting on but how much go and tell do we do don't let the fire just stir you up enough to invite people to church let it stir you up enough to tell people in your workplace in your school your friends your family random people that you meet on the street if the spirit tells you to (laughs) um, about him and about the gospel Also, uh, when we invite people to events, sometimes, I'm very guilty of this, we downplay the Christianness of the event. We think like uh, sometimes people will just be surprised into the kingdom because they turn up and God just breaks in. Sometimes this does happen. Sometimes people do just walk into a church, God breaks in and they're saved. But not very often. It is unusual. When we share with friends, we need to remember there is real power in sharing the gospel the way God wrote it in the Bible. Um, So Romans tells us, don't be ashamed of the gospel for it is power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So finally, I've come to the last two reasons why I've grown to love this song as I've sort of listened to it about five million times uh, in the last month. Um, So the repetitive nature of the song, I love it. One, it's easy to sing, it's easy to learn. But also it shows a continuous cycle. It shows that we must come back to him again and again, keep adding fuel to the fire, asking for the Holy Spirit to help us in what is a battle. It is a battle and we can't just come once and expect that to see us through. Romans says, never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others into your house. So don't let that fire die out. Um, It's also a response song, which means we can't sing it and stand idle. The words demand us to look deeper into who we are. They make us ask, do we want more? Am I on fire? It's all well and good singing like, songs of admiration to God but little point if they don't impact how we live and how we do church together. I'm not here to tell you exactly how you must spread the gospel and who you're spreading it to, I'm just here to encourage you to do it however you do it. You need to pray, read the word and seek good counsel from, you know, there's people here who who do this really well Um, and to know who to speak to when to push forward with certain things, um, but also do these things for the much harder task of knowing when to walk away. Sometimes you have to know when it's time to move on to new things, like to pursue new ways, new groups of people. We're not always called to just do it the same way all the time. When I first heard someone like talk about this, 
I wasn't really sure I agreed, to be honest. I was hurt and I thought, I, c I couldn't believe that not everyone that I loved would be in heaven. But Mark is clear in this situation. Um, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes is baptised and will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. Personally, for me, I've had quite a few good talks, like at work, just through um, sharing pens that might coincidentally have church on them. <laughs> um, uh, like they notice I'm writing with like the Bible course pen or something like that. Um, so I've gone out and bought loads of like pens that have got Bible verses on them because that's easy. I don't even have to do anything. They actively ask me, oh, I knew you were a Christian, but the Bible course, that seems a bit extreme. <laughs> um, this obviously doesn't work in all places, but it's just an easy way to sort of get people to ask the questions themselves and uh, kind of works as well for like reminding you in the same way as the WWJD wristbands, like when I was a kid, you know, they were all the rage. Um, no one knows when Jesus is going to return. So speaking to people about the gospel always has been and always will be an urgent matter. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son. <laughs> oh, wrong thing. <laughs> there you go. Um, but the father only. So in the words of Smith Wigglesworth, as you just saw then, there are four principles we need to maintain. First, read the word of God. Second, consume the word of God until it consumes you. Third, believe the word of God. And fourth, act on the word. So on that note, I'll finish. Um, and I just want you to ask again these questions to yourself over the next coming minutes, hours, days, weeks, um, and think and hear from God how you can share the gospel and who you can share it with. He can do it without you, without me, without us. He can do it but he wants to do it with us. We have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. So I'll, I'll read the questions again. How can you make the most of your everyday? How can you share the gospel and who with? And how can you seek God more in everything you do?